everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, belated Father's Day. Happy uh, NCAA got uh, washed at Stotus Week. Uh, <laughs> happy uh, Bayheim's Army is back with a bunch of new names and will hopefully make a run at the championship finally week. Happy, um, happy, happy Grom Day. Happy, happy Degrom Day as we're recording. Uh, ha- happy ha- Degrom ha- didn't get hurt day. <laughs> happy weirdest a- conference finals in the NBA history uh, week. <laughs> Not so happy for me. Not so happy for you, but it's interesting at least uh, that you it's have interesting. four teams who've literally like experienced no success in the last forty years. Being like two teams finals. who haven't, two teams who are like you know maybe seen as borderline playoff teams at all in the conference finals, like entering the year. I guess the Suns people were like kind of up on, but not like gonna make the NBA finals up on. Like they were like, oh, the Suns might make some noise. The Hawks might be feisty at like what's what this is yeah it's definitely something we don't really have to talk too much about it well, well dan's gonna get uh, his opportunity to uh to, to to express his sadness about the nets later in this episode and we'll be sure to to grant him that platform it's only fair um thank I, you I, thank I, you i, I would have been granted just what I, <laughs> I would have been granted a platform for the next win or lose so just what i just what i want to discuss is uh another of my team's losing thank you i, I appreciate <laughs> it so so dearly Again, the Mets are in first place, so we're we're in baseball season now, folks. Have been in first place for quite some time for, for for so long. Knock on wood, like the Mets are rolling with like half their team injured, but it's okay. Well, we have a lot of summer to talk Mets. Yeah, there'll, there'll be plenty of that, especially when we decide not to do the uh, conference by conference preview. So everyone's going to be stuck with Mets talk at some point in mid July. Yeah, we're gonna do, it's gonna be a little bit of a different summer, but it'll be good, hopefully. Yeah, if everyone's lucky, we'll get some guests. Anyway, if everyone uh, behaves, <laughs> <laughs> in your best behavior, maybe. Uh, so, Beheim's Army, uh, we knew most of the team. We're not completely done roster wise uh, just yet, but the bracket was released today, uh, Monday, and uh, Syracuse is in the Illinois region. So, they'll be um, up against, uh, among other teams, last year's champion potentially eventually. Uh, but in the first round, uh, Forces of Soul is the opponent. They are a 14 seed. Their uh, their, their theme, I guess, is uh, that they're all players who formerly played in the Korean League. Dan, any any kind of opening thoughts? I know, like we kind of talked about the team a little bit. I know the roster is not super different, at least not yet, uh, from from previous years. Uh, also, no uh, kind of across the way in in round two. Uh, we could be facing the Murray State alumni team, which. A, a feistier squad, and, and not really who I would want to face in round two here. I mean, if, if John Morant's not playing, I feel good about it, um, <laughs> uh, which I imagine he will not be. Um, no, it, it's going to be interesting. I feel like there's been a little less hype for Beheim's Army. I think, like, the constant just, like, flaming out just before people were hoping has worn on people a little bit. But obviously, if if we get some good games at, at the uh, out of the dates here, I think people will get excited um, pretty quickly. I I kind of like, I, obviously, like, it'd be really awesome to run through this thing and win it with an all-Syracuse alumni team. But I am also just want to win it with, like, a mostly Syracuse alumni team. So I'm kind of excited about uh, some of the additions that we've made so far. Um, like, obviously, there we, we don't know, like, the, uh, the full extent of who's going to be on this team. Um, but we've we've brought in uh, some interesting talented guard, which I know was um, 
a bit of a question mark going in, uh, especially with like the Syracuse guys that we have uh, set to play. So um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm starting to work myself into like the TBT excitement. Um, it's probably, it's probably a lot harder because the NBA is, has like sneakily uh, worn on because they pushed the, the schedule back a little bit, probably not enough, but um, no, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting, getting, getting up there. I hope, uh, It'll be nice to see Tyler Lydon and Malachi Richardson uh, going. Hopefully, Chris McCullough will actually see him this year after he had to bow out. Obviously, it's always good to see CJ out there, and 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 Devo is obviously the uh, this is officially his last his last year in this, right? He he said he's uh, retiring from TBT after this. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, like he he's been such a great like kind of spiritual leader for this group. Um, at the, at the same time, I, I do feel like you know it's not even his fault. It's just you can only put so much on him in particular um to handle scoring distribution like there's just a lot um that's been put on him so hopefully we have some more um you know guard additions here whether they're Syracuse players or not uh, it it would be nice to kind of build up that um that sort of part of the team a little bit and we have here yeah Tyrese we have Tyrese Rice former Boston College guard Kiefer Sykes who like diehard college basketball fans might recognize the name he was at Wisconsin Green Bay and he was like one of the best small conference scoring guards in, in college basketball for a few years. So that's exciting. He's been playing pretty well overseas and it'll be interesting to see if they add other names. Obviously I think the Syracuse guys we kind of have here right now. Um, yeah. But like, also like, it's not like a, a crazy thing. Like even the first year, I think that the Hampton was in this Willie Dean from Purdue was uh, on the team and like was one of the better players in the team. So it's not like this is a breaking new ground to, to add a couple outsiders in and, and, you know, we'll, we'll adopt them and inherit them. Even the former Boston college player uh, as, as one, as a, you know, as our own, as we move well, forward here. At least he wasn't on a team that really beat us all that often. So don't really have to worry about that as much. I mean, you have to be a very old Boston College basketball alumnus for that to be the case. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a note for Forces of Soul, uh, I was looking up them a little bit. Um, they do have a couple like players some might recognize. Uh, Vernon Macklin, formerly of Florida, um, is on that squad, as is Josh Newkirk, uh, formerly of Indiana, among others on the roster. So, Vernon Macklin's thirty-four. Like he's, he, I mean, he was at Florida. Was he on those back-to-back title teams, or he was like around that era, if I remember correctly? He was around that era. I don't know the exact years for him. So he's he's getting up there. I think he's played he's played in this event before. Um, I think with other with other teams. I had to I had to find out. I, I remember him playing TBT. Oh, but obviously, I think so, this... so, so. We have a reason to dislike Vernon Macklin. Uh, yeah, Macklin played two years at Georgetown actually before he played two years. Right. At you're right. You're right. You're right. Interesting. Yeah, uh, so Vernon Macklin, he definitely played TBT before, um, but I, I'm now I'm now in the depths of like overseas basketball blogs, which is always a fun uh, a fun place to to be. So he's been everywhere. Yeah. He uh, drafted by the Pistons, played for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, um, and he was playing for the uh, in Turkey the uh, Gaziantep uh, basketball team um, for uh, Royal Holly. He, uh, he played for the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Uh, then he was over at uh, in the Philippine uh, Basketball Association. Some might recognize them, the teams over there. Paul Harris used to play for. But yeah, he played for Barangay, uh, Jim Bray Kings. He also played for the uh, played in the Chinese Basketball League as well. In the uh, Liaoning uh, Flying Leopards. Great team name, by the way. Excellent. Yeah. Played for a bunch of other. He played, he played in guitar. He uh, played in uh, South Korea, which is where he kind of got 
um, his tie-in here, uh, play for the Goyang Orion Orions, um, the uh, Magnolia Hotshots in Japan, played for the Kawasaki Brave Thunders, and then he uh, played for, uh, in South Korea, the Changwon LG Sakers, which, uh, yeah, so there, 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 there's a lot going on here. The, the, the Sakers have a really cool, really angry bird logo. You really live a life when you play overseas basketball. It's it's something. I mean, this 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 team name. I mean, the the, the team name, whatever. But the uh, the, the the logo. I need to find the logo. What's what's the? Uh, uh, what's the I'm, I'm, I'm dropping this in for you. I mean, this the, the, this do. bird is this bird is angry. This bird. Oh wow! It's like the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, this is like what ha- this is the team that this is the logo that played the the Sixers last night. Basically, this is. <laughs> This is actually, this is actually, uh, um, Kevin Herter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the Hawks suddenly became the Phoenix, um, and 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 lit Philadelphia aflame, and and, and that's how we end up yes. here. This team is like is 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 a creative team masterclass. Big fan. I uh, I really like how evil this uh, this bird looks. Just the no pupil. There's a lot going on, but yeah, overseas mascots. Um, Really, generally excellent, I think. And that might be an entire episode later this summer, because as everyone here knows, our our, our mascot escapades are how we ended up adopting Tulane. Um, it's how we were in on Loyola, Loyola. where everybody else was. <laughs> the, and we had an entire mascot talk, if I recall, back in like 2014 for a good half an episode, um, back when we were much less focused. Which is saying something for our level of focus now. I mean... We, we actually we done a better, a, we've done a better job of being much more Syracuse focused of late. That's true. That's fair. But it's still like we're talking about the LG Sakers right now. So Yeah, but there is like at least that was like tangentially related to what we're doing. Yeah. And also like, you know, it's the summer. Yeah, exactly. And no, no, nobody's here for like game analysis right now. Um, uh, of, yeah, of what? <laughs> anyway, there's a uh, there, there's plenty more to talk about with the team. Uh, we don't have the first game for another month. Uh, we'll have a bracket challenge on News Magician. We have a lot more to share there later, actually. That I can't share yet, uh, but some cool stuff uh, that we'll be doing um, around the bracket challenge and, and, and awarding um, somebody that doesn't work for News Magician uh, with, with some cool prizes um, down the road. But again, we have a month until that happens, so quite a bit going on until then. Um, did want to talk about here... Um, before we kind of got into beer and some of the other stuff, um, we mentioned it earlier, but big Supreme Court win for uh, for NCAA athletes, uh, big L for uh, for the NCAA. Um, Supreme Court ruled unanimously, uh, maybe surprising given the state of the country right now, uh, the NCAA cannot limit educate and re- education-related benefits, computers, paid internships in particular. The colleges can offer their sports stars, which is a victory for athletes that can help open the door for further easing in the decades-old fight over paying student-athletes. That being the first paragraph from the AP. Um, again, this is far from over, but definitely seems like we're headed in a direction where compensation in some shape or form um, for athletes um, is allowed. It's definitely going to make it easier for um, schools to be able to treat uh, student-athletes much more like students um, well, other students and the benefits that they receive. Um, the internships, laptops, stuff like that was always just completely asinine. Um, that players were, you know, not uh, afforded those benefits. So I think we're headed in the right direction. There's, again, though, a lot more uh, still to come um, on the, uh, the name and likeness front. 
and and just exactly what NCAA uh, schools will be able to do for athletes. But again, big big win I think for for student athletes. Uh, this is especially good I think in light of um, playoff expansion talks and things like that. That at least if we're going to see a 17 game season, which seems likely, um, we, we're not going to see that without you know additional compensation in some way, shape, or form for athletes. Yeah, it, it, more than anything, I think it's just like. The fact that it was 9-0 just kind of indicates like where things are going. The NCAA just very badly needs to change things. Obviously, with the name image likeness, I think that's that's in the pipeline. It's going to happen. They're they're dragging their feet as much as they can with it. But um they it, this was a pretty clear indication they can't really rely on the courts to go their way. Like when you have a a pretty, you know, one-sided Supreme Court that is completely unified in this one thing, like that the writing's on the wall for for all future uh, NCAA issues relating to uh, player compensation. So, yeah, I think you're going to see uh, this is just one of uh, a number of major issues that are going to kind of change the way that college sports look. But I think we're all pretty aware of how how that's been going. And and uh, most of the country has come come around on it in a in a major way. Obviously, there's there's disagreements over like the process and disagreements over like the amount of compensation that's appropriate, whatever else. But like at a baseline level, I think it's pretty overwhelming that some that people are like, yeah, they should be getting something, and they certainly should be getting like, you know, the the type of compensation that we're covered in this bill in this uh in this case. So yeah, it's exciting. It's uh and it was a, a fun thing to wake up to because like yeah, you don't expect even with all that being true, you don't expect that kind of a one sided decision. No, and I mean, uh, I can't believe that I'll be quoting uh, Brett Kavanaugh on this podcast, but here we Brett, go. Brett, Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Dorsett, you know, those those heroes of ours. <laughs> Brett, Brett, Brett was we, the closer here, really, with, with, with just the nail in the coffin. Um, Nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. The NCAA is not above the law. Nods, nods in agreement with Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh is definitely going to become like a dirty Georgetown booster. I can't wait. Oh yeah, that's happening. Um, but yeah, that's pretty big. I, um, I again, very much looking forward uh, to what's next there. Yeah, it, it'll be. Uh, we'll see. I, I think this is all going to. I think it's going to be kind of an avalanche, and it's already started. Like we kind of know where things are going. NIL is obviously on the precipice. It's just a matter of like it getting officially adopted as a national thing. Because state by state, it's been going, but. We're, we're, we're very clearly, uh, we're pretty clearly getting there. Indeed. Um, I did want to say before, I know it's like tangentially Syracuse related, but before we get to uh, halftime with beer and everything, uh, did want to say uh, really cool and really awesome for Carl uh, Nassib, uh, brother of uh, Ryan Nassib, former Syracuse quarterback. Carl played at Penn State, was drafted uh, by the Browns, and he's on the Raiders currently, uh, came out today. Uh, really, really cool for him. He also uh, pledged to donate $100,000 to the Trevor Project. Um, so really cool for him that he's able to uh, live his truth and, you know, just really be um, his authentic self and who he wants to be. And that's just awesome for him. Uh, so just wanted to note that um, again, tangentially Syracuse related, uh, but still uh, probably something that at least some Syracuse fans uh, will care about. Nonetheless, uh, Carl was a recruiting target of ours at one point, uh, but obviously decided to go to a rival school. Won't hold that against him, um, especially here. Uh, so, again, just really cool for, for, for Carl today. Yeah, it's it's excellent news. It's the first, uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, it's the first out athlete in a major four sports since Jason Collins, who was the first, um, first in the NFL. Um, and He's the first like, active player, because obviously, like, uh, Michael Jay, Sam. Jason Collins, Jason Collins played. Uh, well, the active, active NFL, NFL player. Yeah, Michael Sam didn't make it an active roster. 
Um, but yeah, and it's also like it shouldn't matter, but like Carl Nassib's like a pretty solid, like, you know, rotation player for the Raiders, like had six or six and a half sats a couple years ago. And that really it shouldn't matter. But the fact that it's like a, a pretty prominent player does have, I think, a positive effect. Um, it's not a guy who's like gonna be on and off like rosters, like he'll be he's in a play. So um it's a it's a really big step. Um it sounded like reading his letter that like it sounds like his teammates knew, like he told them ahead of time, and it's great that it sounds like he met pretty full acceptance, which is great. Um, and I talking about like with the NCAA things, things have changed so fast. Like you know, same here. Um, obviously, there are people who are going to be awful about this, but they're in the vast, vast minority. Um, and it's just a big step. Uh, it's been something that we've been kind of like waiting for 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 years now, and and it's it's both like surprising it took this long, but now I I kind of expect it to be more of the norm. So. Um, Bit for Carl, it was a super brave move for him to really be the first. And uh, it's cool that he has a serious connection. I know I know Ryan uh, posted on Instagram how proud he was. So, yeah, happy, happy to, you know, be supportive of that. And, uh, yeah, just a, a really, really nice way to, to end uh, this Pride Month. And uh, hopefully hopefully we, we see more people who are, you know, who, who are both, like, able now more free to follow in Carl's footsteps. And uh, we just get to be a more equitable society as always agreed agreed um dan why don't we talk a little bit about um i guess our weekends or in your case uh extending into monday uh what we were drinking um i didn't have too much like interesting stuff it was mostly kind of run-of-the-mill uh uh yinglings and and uh Oh, I said something fall off my wall. Sam Adams, uh, I think it's Sierra Nevada, which is nice, but not not a super uh, crafty weekend for me. Uh, I will be going back down to the Jersey Shore this weekend, so I will make a point of uh, loading up on uh, some cartons and some uh, last waves and some of the other good Jersey stuff. But just didn't really have the opportunity this weekend. I did over the the store, so I was kind of uh, using what I had still available, which was unfortunately not too much uh, exciting stuff. But that will be rectified soon. Nicely done. Um, all right. On my end, uh, went down to actually, well, had a couple different things. Uh, I got, I know I've mentioned Celador before, um, there in LA, they had their, uh, Tepesh Seltzer. It was basically a like pineapple Saison, uh, but it drank like a seltzer. Extremely Ooh. good. Really, really enjoyable, uh, beverage. Uh, it's not like around anymore, but if they happen to have it again, and somebody's in the LA area, I would highly recommend getting some. It was absolutely delicious, refreshing, and actually pretty high ABV for a seltzer, 7%. Um, so definitely an enjoyable one. Had some green futures from modern times. Uh, went down to Ambitious Ales down Long Beach for the first time. A uh, really cool spot. Um, I appreciated the fact that they quoted Mr. Deeds on the uh, wall, uh, which was a, a, a fun nod uh, to, you know, I think many listeners' uh, childhood or others, maybe it was uh, after your time. But had some good beers from them. Uh, nice guy, Eddie. West Coast IPA from them. Hike School. Uh, uh, Lager. Also had um, Central Perk. Uh, while I, I, I'm not a big fan of the Friends reference, I, uh, I really enjoyed the beer. It was a uh, coffee blonde. And a uh, really, really good one at that. Yeah. Uh, coffee was very much there, but didn't like overpower the beer so much that you didn't uh, couldn't tell it was a blonde. So really good beer there. Um, had from Modern Times, uh, Order of Hermes. Also had from Surfridge Brewing. First time I went there, um, the spot in El Segundo. Had uh, that's what Citrus said. And uh, Mont Angeles. Mont Angeles is actually a, uh, an amber IPA, which is interesting. Um, 
had some buy sell trade, uh, hazy IPA from Monkish. Uh, didn't get to go down there, but they reopened their tasting room. So a buddy of mine uh, grabbed a four pack down there and then had a, uh, another can of uh, Griffith, Jay Griffith, uh, beer I've talked about before, um, arguably the best beer in LA is a, uh, Imperial coffee stout, um, from Highland park. That is excellent. Awesome. Yeah. The coffee blonde, super, uh, intriguing. I kind of struggle with coffee beers sometimes. Uh, but that sounds like it'd be an interesting blend. Yeah. Super refreshing. Yeah. The coffee like kind of shown through. I haven't drank coffee itself in going on five and a half years now, but I oh, still wow. enjoy Yeah. I still enjoy coffee beers. I, I drink tea now. I, I've been a, I felt like it was just having an adverse effect. I was crashing more than I thought I was. So I, I stopped drinking coffee, but I still do, uh, I still do black tea, uh, quite a bit. So I, 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 did, I didn't remove myself from caffeine. It might. Yeah. Well, I guess like, uh, it probably would be a good thing, but I'm, I'm helplessly, <laughs> helplessly dependent on it. I actually quit cold turkey um, back in 20. It's a quick cold turkey at the uh, at the national championship game in Glendale. Uh, the uh, was it the second Clemson Alabama game? I think it might yeah, have been the second Clemson Alabama. 20, 27, 2016, 2016, 2015 yeah. was the first. Yeah, 2016. So I quit cold turkey there, and then I like didn't have caffeine for like two months, and then eased my way back in with green tea, and then. Once I had kids, then I started going back to black tea. And then I only drink black tea now. Nice. Yeah, I get like really awful caffeine headaches by like two or three o'clock. So I don't know. Try I also tea. enjoy coffee though. So I, I'll drink tea once in a while. No, I, enjoy, but, I loved uh, coffee when I was drinking it. It's just then I just stopped and I was like, oh, th- th- that was doing some terrible things to me. Yeah. I, 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 you're, a, you're a braver person than I. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day. But I do enjoy the process of having coffee, so and I don't feel terrible about it. So hopefully, you know, hopefully it doesn't take a, a bad turn. But I do get like the wicked, like you know, mid afternoon headache. Although I usually, I mean, I it's rare for me to know it's by noon without having it. So it's, it hasn't usually been an issue. Reasonable. All right. So I know we don't have like a ton of other Syracuse things to talk about here, but. Um, I guess for me, one one, and maybe this is rectified this week. Uh, there were a ton of visits over the weekend uh, for football. I know basketballs had a lot of um, visits as well. But Danny, a little concerned that we're not adding more guys at this point. You think it's just a product of things are just opening up? We're only seeing you know campus visits now. I think there's reason to be skeptical if you're on the outside um, of Syracuse football in particular, um, or, or you know. I, I guess what, what side of the fence do you fall on? Obviously other schools don't have as much of a problem, um, you know, securing a, a lot of guys early. I know we started strong. We had four guys in the first like couple of months of this cycle, but since then, um, you know, we haven't heard a, uh, a peep about commitments at least. Yeah. I, I'll start getting more concerned if we go like a couple more weeks without them, because now we're just starting to have guys back on campus. And I think it's very reasonable for, uh, this current class to like hold off until they're actually able to do these campus visits because they had like a whole year where they would be able to at least have like those initial visits, those junior days, um, those other times where you kind of really like set your lists and, and feel feel out who you want to uh, don't move forward with. And they weren't really presented that opportunity in person. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I'm not thrilled that we haven't had a commit since March, but I'm willing to give it a couple of weeks now that we're starting to get guys uh, up to campus and meeting the coaches in person and some of that stuff that we weren't able to do last year before, uh, before I, I forget too much. Um, you know, we're kind of where we've been. So, which isn't great, but it's not like we're like 
so far behind where, where our normal stuff has been, which which indicates that like this is kind of a situ- an issue for everybody um, or everyone in our kind of general group. Obviously, like the Alabamas of the world are getting guys, but um, I think like if we were a if we were like uniquely far behind, I think our our national rank wouldn't be fifty nine. I think it would be like in the seventies or eighties. So I'm not gonna worry about it too much yet, but. It's like it's something that's hovering there. So yeah, give it a couple of weeks. If we're still like not getting anyone, then I'll start to to kind of wonder what's up. Yeah, I mean, realistically, having this many like official visits, I think there was at least like ten guys that showed up in the last like week. Um, getting this many guys, you would think it usually has like a couple commitments following it. Um, you know, I, would, not- I would bet. I, I would be. I feel pretty good that we'll get. Maybe we'll get one this week. Like the fact that we have that many guys on campus, someone someone yeah. generally pulls the plug uh, or pulls the. Pulls the trigger, pulls the lever, pulls something. Trigger, trigger um, lever, any any of those. <laughs> it is election day tomorrow in New York, so lever, I guess, even though that's not <laughs> how we vote anymore. Um, but yeah, like uh, I think um, I think hopefully we'll get someone this week, just because you don't tend to strike out, not strike out, but like you don't tend to do a full like giant recruiting weekend without like landing somebody. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think too, a lot of these guys, there's other visits that they have. Um, you know, you hope that you can convince them not to take those other visits. I, I think in general, like, SU definitely has some work to do on the trail in terms of convincing people that we're back on the upswing and not headed elsewhere, um, obviously. But I, I think from, from their standpoint, just getting a couple names, and, and I think anyone right now would do the trick, but it would be great to see some of these guys um, who are like, you know, high three, four star guys. Um, pledged SU. I know. Um, I know we lost one target um, over the weekend uh, to BC. Actually, it was uh, Edwin Kalenge, um, yep. who was, I believe, defensive end, if I recall. Um, might have been a linebacker. All I for now. He, he so, is uh, is this from Windsor School up in so, uh, Loomis Chafee School in Windsor, Connecticut. Yeah. So realistically, I mean, it's not like BC had like an inside track on him by any means, but. Uh, that's the type of player where if Syracuse is battling BC head to head, you'd hope Syracuse can get the win. But yeah, linebacker, six foot three, two twenty five, um, ranked top five hundred and fifty or so players um, by the twenty four seven composite. So not great uh, to lose a guy like that, and he's definitely a high three um, talent. But we'll uh, we'll see. Hopefully, SU can rally a little bit again. The, the ne- next week or so would be nice to to land a couple of these guys obviously it's a little bit different this year but still it would be good to get some momentum and and start finding ways to uh to lock down some of these higher uh, ranked guys too because really i mean i i know that we're gonna i know that it's gonna be tough to get you know more than like one four star or so after the season we just had but you know it just takes one guy having the faith and then and then usually you know some more will follow i know for me in particular um uh, be great to be able to land a qb um in this class um, I know Henry Bielen, uh would be the guy that we're we're mostly looking at if we strike out on him, and 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 I think we're actually trending pretty well with him. I I don't really know what this team's going to do. <laughs> Once again, uh, could be a could, could be a reset situation in terms of yeah. uh, in terms of targets. At the very least, we've done our quarterback room into a much better place than it was yes. like a year ago with Lampson, with Schrader. I mean, even Devito could take an extra year if he wants. I I don't know that he will, but that's to be seen. But um, all of that, like, 
is a, is a big upside compared to like where we were before we had lamps and especially. So uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully we continue to targets, but like it's, it won't be as, it won't be as bad if we miss out on quarterbacks this class than it would have been last class or the class before. So um, it's less of a, of a pressure patch thing, but obviously like ideally you want to take a quarterback every year. Yeah. And there's definitely, I know, I think did Clemson miss on a quarterback last year? And they had a, they had a bit of a situation where like, they don't really have much going on depth wise right now. Yeah, no, this is the, this is the, like, for Clemson, like, their active roster is, it's basically Uyundale, I feel like we learned how to pronounce that before I uh, dive back into college football, but um, did they get a die last year? I don't remember, I'm looking now. They have Cade Klubnik uh, in the 2022 class, who's a four-star, he's not like a top-top level, but he's one of those Austin area quarterbacks where they, you know, there's a million of them every, you know, every couple of years they have a, a four-star. Yeah, they did not, it does not look like they owned their quarterback. Uh Oh, no, they did. Bubba Chandler out of Georgia. But he's like a three-star. He's more of a, a developmental prospect for them, which means he may be amazing. But, um, yeah, last year they did not get, like, the big blue-chip quarterback that they land almost every year. The year before, uh, they brought in DJ. Uh, they brought in uh, Tayshaun. Uh, I, I can't pronounce his last name. I try so hard. Um, a couple of years before that uh, from Connecticut. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm not worried about Clemson. <laughs> also, if they want to just, like, just chill for a bit. Just like take a couple years off, that'd be okay. Yeah. But yeah, they did not. They did not land a big quarterback last year. They landed one three-star guy. But I also think uh, DJ's gonna be really good. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not too super worried for Dabo and company. No, I, uh, I, I would not shed a tear. I know um, for them, they're probably still a top four or five team. I mean, realistically, you look at the ACC schedule. It's not as if they're really gonna be tested much. Um, and this is really kind of the issue for the league. Um, in the near future, like when we see a 12-team playoff, and we talked about that a little bit last time around, when you see a 12-team playoff, like if a- the ACC is consistently not getting more than one um, team in that conversation, or if the ACC starts to see themselves like a Clemson, you know, uh, trips and falls a little bit, if they have a coaching change, if Venables finally leaves, um, or if Saban retires and Dabo finally heads over, over to Alabama or whatever, th- th- there's definitely there's definitely a chance that the ACC starts kind of trending down in that list. Cause realistically the only the top six conferences are guaranteed bids to this thing. So if, so if the ACC, I mean, it's unlikely sure, but if the ACC starts trending downward um, or if Boise has a big season and Cincinnati has a big season, I mean, you could see um, without Florida state coming back or North Carolina really establishing their footing or other programs getting their shit together. Um, you know, this could be the sort of thing where, you know, the ACC is in a bit of a, a perilous situation. And that's the, the absolute worst case, but um, just something to look at um, over the next four or five years if we don't like fix the like muddled middle situation in the ACC. Yeah, you certainly don't want to be in the situation where you're only getting one team every year. And like, I'm not super worried about getting one team in. Like, yeah. obviously, the Pac 12 uh, basically said their piece were like, can we just have all the autonomy five have auto bids? And that, that's. It's 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 hilarious for doing that after the one year where they would have missed it. Um, but there was a year I actually looked up to this for an article, like uh, in 2016 for the Pac-12, they would have had Washington with the auto bid, and then they also would have gotten USC and Colorado in, assuming all the voting was the same. So like they would have been okay. They would have gotten in multiple teams more often than not. Um, I haven't looked at the ACC. I'm looking now. In 2014, we would be uh, Georgia Tech would have just missed um, by one spot because Boise would have stolen the last bid. Um, I'm going through now. Uh, in 2015, Clemson got in. Florida State would have gotten in. North Carolina would have also gotten in. And then 2016, so like 
you just need guys in, you need schools in that like eight to 12 range. And usually I feel like the ACC is at least in decent shape in 2016 Clemson got in Florida state finished 11. I don't know if they would have gotten bumped. Yeah. 2018 is really when things started going South. So Florida ACC state would have done. Yeah. 2016 Florida state would have gotten in because Western Michigan would have bumped uh, Oklahoma state. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking now. I just want to, I'm interested now to, to go through 2017 Clemson was the one seed. Uh, Miami was the 10, so they probably would have gotten in because UCF didn't even really steal anything. They were 12, so they would have, and, and they honestly would have probably would in this situation, UCF probably would have been ranked higher because they wouldn't have really been able to leave them out. 2018, we got Clemson in at two. Um, That's it. 20, we were 2018 would have been at, yeah, we were, we were down there though. We were at 20. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, there was no other ACC team that would have been like, like we were it. They were the next best ACC team. Twenty nineteen was Clemson. Um, Twenty nineteen would have also been out. Yeah, so it's been a, a problem the last couple of years for sure. Uh, and then twenty twenty, SUNC would have probably snuck in, right? No, they were thirteen. Wow. Um, yeah, so the last two years we would have. Well, I Notre Dame technically was an ACC team this year, but um, yeah, so. We talked about last week, like Notre Dame potentially, like seeing what they how they respond to this will be big. But uh, it's also just like we need to get North Carolina into like a more consistent place. Obviously, Miami should be like in the discussion more often than not. But I'm not like super worried about it unless it becomes a trend. But also the fact that there are more spots may kind of be, and then the fact that there's potentially more money for the league could end up having a positive impact. So we'll see. I'm not going to worry about it too much until like it happens a couple years in a row where it's just Clemson. Um, but also like, we just need like Miami to be better and Florida state to be better. Like those are the schools that we're relying on to be like in contention for these second and third bids. And like at, at a certain point, like it's on those schools to also get it together. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think that we all thought um, given the hiring spree that happened in the ACC around like 2015 or so between 2015 and 2016, like, Everyone was like, "Oh wow, the ACC hit, you know nailed it on all these hires. Everything went well." And like, yeah, it did. But at the same time, like you look at, I mean, for us, obviously, things haven't gone necessarily as planned. Uh, haven't gone necessarily as planned. Virginia Tech, you know, Bronco Mendenhall has gotten you know Virginia to an Orange Bowl, which is great, but also like hasn't necessarily been consistent. Uh, Dave Clawson's been great at Wake, but also hasn't really gotten past a certain point. Like there's a lot of teams that have had a lot that have a lot of like guys who've been there a while, but there's definitely a bit of a, a stagnation that like a, I wouldn't say a stagnation in the sense that they're like doing poorly, but a stagnation in the sense that they're definitely not like no one's elevating above a certain level. Um, Florida state's hiring issues um, are obviously a problem. You know, we don't really know um, like what North Carolina can turn into, but it seems like they're going to turn into something pretty impressive. Um, over time. So I, I, I think that, you know, the, the, the league definitely got besieged by a bit of like top to bottom Clemson aside, like mediocrity, uh, unfortunately. And, and, and hopefully that clears itself up. And I mean, hopefully, I mean, I think a lot of these things are cyclical, especially in college Obviously we've been mired in our own mediocrity, but like overall, like big programs tend to go in cycles. So I, I don't think Florida state will be down forever. I, I, I don't think Miami will be down forever. I, you know, maybe they won't be what they were, but I think they'll probably have some peaks, even more consistent peaks than they've had recently. Um, North Carolina seems to be entering one. Georgia Tech will probably have one soonish after they had, like, at the start of the college football playoff. Like, they would have been very close to making that first one if there was a 12 team situation. So it's just a matter of like having those peaks hit at the right time, and hopefully because we've we've been in a real like a uh, three or four year. Uh, well, 2017 was pretty good, but like we've been in a pretty you know 
iffy situation since. Like, we can start to hit these peaks as this 12-team playoff rolls around in 2023 is what it looks like. Um, and then we're in a pretty good situation. If you can make two or three teams in there, um, and it's, like, different teams, and there's opportunities for, like, a Colorado-level team, like, in the Pac-12 to rise up and have a surprise top-10 finish and get into the playoff, like, then you're you're really opening the doors for those middling programs to be able to sell something. Like, 2018, if we were able to, like, capitalize on the hype after that, and then there was a 12-team playoff, then you're like, yeah, you can make the playoff at Syracuse. Uh, it's not out of the realm at all. Um, so yeah, that's that's it's on the teams to uh, be more competitive and figure out what they need to do, and also like you know hopefully the league is forward thinking and uh, can really Notre Dame. <laughs> that, that's like the <laughs> the big whale out there. I know we all love to hate on Notre Dame, but it's undeniable they would be really really good to uh, to to bring into the league full time. So you know hopefully the fact that they uh, made help make a system that's way worse for them. Uh, We'll we'll help in that effort, but we you know we talked like at length about that last week, so um, you know that's way very much yet to be seen. Indeed. Um, all right, Dan, got a little bit uh, more time left, so I, I will cede the floor to your uh, your 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 Nets fandom if you so choose. Uh, feel free to say whatever you might have on your mind about the uh, the, the the loss in Game Seven, the the unfulfilled potential, the fact that Kevin Durant was still a god um, among us. But uh, unfortunately, it just did not work out this year. Yeah, it's it's both. It was very un- disappointing on Saturday night. Um, it's hard not to call it like a missed opportunity of a year just because of all the talent and just because how like the the just everything's opened up for like a team to, to take this thing. And now, it you know, it's anyone's desk who it will be. Um, if the Nets had made it through, I think they would have been like a pretty strong prohibitive favorite. Um, but I mean, you Kyrie Irving got hurt and like with a pretty bad ankle injury. Harden was hurt, came back probably two. I mean, he had a grade two uh, hamstring strain. That's like not a thing KP players come back from in a week, and he did. And he was clearly not himself. He was, if he was at 50%, I'd be surprised. Like he was not the same player. So it was the Tevin Durant show against uh, of the probably the healthiest team in the playoffs in the Bucks. Not, not always a team that you can rely on, but um, at the end of the day, they had their three stars who were all pretty healthy. We had one and like a third star at the end Durant was clearly the best player in the series and almost I mean he was a couple inches from winning the series for us basically but and it's disappointing that we didn't take advantage of the opportunities in game three that ugly 86-83 game um you know Harden probably would have gotten more healthy and and you know I I would feel very confident against the Hawks but it's just disappointing um but I, I also think a lot of this goes back to just the way the NBA set up this season like I it uh, it becomes very hard to think that the fact that they squeezed in a 72 game season in a year that was only four weeks shorter, or that was four weeks shorter than a normal season, like didn't contribute to all of these injuries and almost every team left in the playoffs or in the playoffs, like a, what nine All Stars missed time in the playoffs this year, plus a, a handful of other players. Throw in like and for the Nets, like Spencer Dinwiddie was out all year, and obviously that probably didn't have to do with the with the grind uh, because it was early in the year, but. It's just hard to imagine like a normal, a more normal calendar would have resulted in fewer crazy injuries at the end of the season. So I don't feel good about it, but uh, the team will be back next year. Hopefully they will uh, mix up the, you know, add a bit to their, uh, the, the supporting cast, fill in some of the blanks, keep on having guys like Claxton come along who can help in a, you know, defend big guys and, and fill some of those holes and and they should be right back in the midst next year i think they'll be a pretty one of the heavy favorites to win the title next year so can't i don't i feel i feel bad about it but in the context of how everything went down like it's more understandable than if like 
a team with a healthy Kyrie, KD, and and Harden went down to those Bucks. I, if 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 we even had two of those guys at 100% in that last series, I think it would have been over in five. So, is what it is. Uh, don't feel great, but you know it happens. Uh, hopefully, they rest up. I know Durant and Harden are playing in the Olympics, which is something. Um, I kind of wish they weren't. I respect <laughs> it. I respect their competitiveness. I respect them probably wanting to like regel and get that chemistry back from when they were in OKC. Hopefully the input is not too strenuous and they can run through it and don't have to play that many minutes. I kind of wish they were staying home and just like sitting in a nice tub for three months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I definitely get that perspective. Um, I, don't, I totally respect it. I don't want to be like angry about yeah. it, uh, but that's a lot for any player. Me, right. Cause they just had a long season. They, I mean, Durant's coming off of like a catastrophic injury. It's amazing. He, I obviously he missed a lot of time this year, but it's amazing. He, he was like, he looked the best player in the world this last series. So um yeah just you know knock on wood fingers crossed they don't nothing nothing bad happens uh at the same time it's hard to it's hard to deny someone the chance to go win olympic gold that's special so you know hopefully it's not a it's not a catastrophic decision but uh we'll see what happens and at least i mean it gives me more of a rooting interest in the olympics so not that i wasn't going to root for the nba (laughs) players but um you know it, it now i get to support my my guys also, I realized over the weekend I get to root for like I root for uh, Devin Durant, Jacob Degrom, and for the moment Aaron Rodgers, and that's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's not a bad, it's not a bad trio. If, if, if you guys would like Daniel Jones, I, uh, I I would very much like to 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 trade my eye situation for yours. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. Are, are you offering like Daniel Jones and Julius Randle for for KD and Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> no. I'm more just saying that realistically, I'll t- I'll, I think the Giants should offer up Daniel Jones um, next year's first and, and numerous other items uh, to, to, to fix what remains a really stupid decision. We'll see what happens if Rodgers actually holds out this year. It'll be very fascinating, but uh, that's, a, that's a future everyone issue, I guess, uh, because he's not getting traded this year for numerous reasons. So if he does get traded, hopefully it is for a massive, massive haul. And we'll, I guess, find out about Jordan Love in the meantime. But that's, that's you know, I'll talk more at length about that in other podcasts when we have time to fill. What, what happens to Packers fans if they just end up, like, hating but loving two of the three most iconic quarterbacks in franchise history? Um, so it's complicated. Like, Favre, the problem with Favre is now he's, like, like t- dipping his toe into political waters and mm. it's, like, that's more of a fragment thing. People had like just gotten over Favre, and I think Favre had kind of come back to the family, and everyone was okay with him again. And now he's hosting a podcast with Eric Bowling. So, like, if he had avoided that, <laughs> I think we'd be. But I think on a football level, I think most people are okay with Favre now. Rogers, Rod, I mean, I think Packers fans are way more on Rogers' side than they were on Favre's side because Rogers didn't ask for them to draft his replacement, and then also not tell him and and treat him kind of poorly. Favre was playing like games every offseason. So it's a much different feel for from the Packer fan base, uh, as best I can tell. Not being in Green Bay, obviously. Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, I, yeah, I was kind of curious. I, I know a couple Packers fans. Um, none of them live in Wisconsin, so I, I know that you know. Not that you're less of a fan. It's more like you're obviously just not on the ground getting like the 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 daily inundation of this at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I think there's certainly a a sect of Packers fans who are kind of tired, like over it. Who, but, but those are the people that are just going to be for the team no matter what happens. And I'm a Packer fan. I'm not going to stop being a Packer fan if Rodgers leaves. But I think he is in the right in this situation based on what's going on. And also based on like how every other team over the last couple of years has treated like their older quarterback when they've drafted a younger quarterback. None of them have done the same things the Packers did, which was just keep him completely in the dark. 
And I honestly think if, if, he, if he was just aware ahead of time, they might take Jordan Love. I don't think this would be a big deal. And it's, that was just like the centerpiece of a, a long string of what he probably feels like were minor, like minor disrespectful dis, uh, uh, discretions that he, um, he, that just all added up for him. So I kind of, I still think it's kind of 50 50 whether or not he plays for us this year, but you know, we'll see. Um, I've kind of come to peace with the situation for the moment. It'll be hard if it actually comes to roost, but that's, that's, a, you know, we're not going to know until the season starts. Reasonable. All right. Uh, on that note, I, I think it's been, it's been fun, Dan, as always. And uh, uh, we'll chat next week. Yes. Have a, have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the outdoors and uh, stay safe as always. Indeed. That was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy News and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange.